Oh, my God. 
25 minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Tuesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Mashiach, Mashiach, where are you? We're all waiting for you. Mashiach, Ben David, we need you.
Rough. So much stuff is going on Leave it to Hashem 
J.M. in the A.M. Oh, yes. Good morning, everybody. That's Simcha Liner with Marocade here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, before that, Shalshelis at Kimitzio, and you heard Hodu done by Eitan Katzoff, Shirei Pinchas, volume number three. Uh, Yehuda Green with Mashiach, and of course, Regesh, that's brand new, and of course, Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Just making sure that that set list makes sense. Ah, we did skip one. We had Shlomi Gertner's hands in the air after uh, Kimi Tsion. So we got to insert that into the uh, playlist and make sure people know about it. Uh, welcome to a uh, Tuesday. How you doing, everybody? Final Tuesday, believe it or not, before our three weeks format. People don't even realize, well, 
some people might realize, <laughs> many people don't <laughs> realize that this Sunday is a fast day and this Sunday is the beginning of the uh, three weeks. Yeah, could you imagine? <clears throat> the final wedding I have uh, for this season is tonight. I will be at a terrace of rum this evening. And then that'll do it. Um, we have. We, it's funny. Here at the Nahum Siegel Network, uh, even though the three weeks are what they are and the format is what it is, we still have an amazing and incredible July coming up at the Nahum Siegel Network. Really an incredible July because our July includes our Nefesh Benefesh Flight and Show, Yom NCSY Show, um, a winery in Israel show, a show from uh, Beit Meir, uh, one of the NCSY summer programs, and a show at Camp Hask. That's all July, even though it's all after uh, Tisha B'Av, after the three weeks. Anyway, so here we are. Uh, final. Not only is it the final week of before the three weeks, also the final year of the final week of the fiscal year. And as we've been mentioning um, over the last couple of days, we are officially uh, ending our unofficial spring fundraiser. This coming Friday, and we're asking everybody out there who has the ability to spread the word, who has um, the ability to give us a nice size donation to uh, make sure to do so to keep us going. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and give as generously as you can. Um, so I got an email this morning. Actually, I got a series of emails from a phone number. The first one says, good morning from Chaim Breyer in Curious EOL, known as uh, Chaim Breslover from Muncie on the Wednesday lunch program. I assume that's the Wednesday live lunch with Avrami. Uh, then he writes back, I'd like to play some Mazel Tov on JMNAM in honor of my engagement. All right. So we say Mazel Tov. Mazel Tov to Chaim Breyer and Esti Schlesinger from Brooklyn, New York, and the entire Breyer and the entire Schlesinger families. That sounds like JM name lingo, by the way. Entire Friar and uh, all he all he had to say really was entire extended <laughs> Schlesinger and Briar families. So we say Mazal Tov to the uh, Chatan and Kala, Mazal Tov to the Chassan and Kala from all of us here at the JM and the AM, and uh, all of us here at the, the Nahum Siegel Network. Yeah, we love reporting good news, and that's a great method to report good news. Thank you for that wonderful email. Also, uh, remember, you can comment on our app. You can go to the NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away like listener Terry. Listener Terry says, good morning, wishing a summer of fun to all the girls who are leaving to Camp Dina today. Yeah, a lot of camps leaving today, a lot of camps leaving tomorrow. There's a lot of camp activity out there. Um, so to everybody who's uh, heading up to the Catskill region or anywhere else in this country <clears throat> to enjoy a... Um, a wonderful camping season. We say have an amazing and incredible summer. And don't forget, you can listen to us all summer long uh, on the NSN app, NahumSiegel.com, with our phone number, 605-562-4400. I mean, there are a lot of methods, a lot of different ways you could tune in. And... Um, and be part of it. So, all right. I think that basically does it for that segment. <laughs> for the early morning Mazel Tov and early morning 
Good luck to everybody heading to camp segment. 65 degrees outside on this Tuesday with 65% humidity. Wow, what an irony. Uh, winds are north at 7 miles an hour. Mostly sunny today with a high temperature of 76. And tonight, partly cloudy, a low 64. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high temperature of 77. Yerushalayim right now at 82. Up in Guilford, New York, our friends at Camp Missora have 44 degrees. They will have a sunny day up there, thank God. They'll head up into the mid-70s, just like us. They'll be around 76, just like us. Right now in Yerushalayim, as I said, 82, Guilford 44, and here in New York, we are at 65 degrees as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Hey, don't forget to tell your kids when they board the bus to camp that they should be listening to us, right, with the NSN app and their and their headphones, their earbuds. They should be listening to us, the NSN, Nahum Siegel Network, for great music and discussion about so many interesting things that are going on in this amazing world of ours. More coming up. It's JM in the AM with Yaakov Shweki.
I'm shooting for the moon tonight. I ride the winds at the speed of light. I set my goals. I made my mind. And if I miss, I'll make it to the stars. We're gonna make it to the top. I'm shooting for the moon tonight. And if I miss, I'll make it to the stars. Standing on the ground, me and my dreams, galaxies apart. But I know somewhere deep inside, I've got the strength to get that far. Climbing on a ladder in the sky, though I'm not an angel, maybe I can fly. Pushing through, still another mile. All I gotta do is try. I'm shooting for the moon tonight. I ride the winds at the speed of light. I set my goals. I made my mind. And if I miss, I'll make it to the stars. We're gonna make it to the top. I'm shooting for the moon tonight. And if I miss, I'll make it to the stars. Sending up yet another prayer, Father. I know you believe in me. When it's rough and I'm feeling doubt, you can raise me up above the clouds. I can feel the power of a dream, giving me wings, taking me beyond all the pain, all the broken hopes. Gonna leave it all behind. I'm shooting for the moon tonight. I ride the winds at the speed of light. I set. Hashem, 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 Hashem,
Try to get that full selection on at some point. It's Shemak Holena done by Yehuda Green. Brand new. It was amazing having him here in studio. I hope you had a chance to uh, watch on Facebook, Nahum Single Network, or listen, listen on our archives to that uh, amazing conversation when he was in studio. Shal Shalas Jr. had Shemak Holena. You heard Mordechai Shapiro and Hashem Melech. Shooting for the Moon was the title track from Michal Brzezinski. Micha Gammerman's Bowie Kala. Shivisi, that was brand new. Yaakov Shweki. Aleph Bay's. Brand new Yaakov Shweki. One of the uh, listeners on the app says repeating songs. Yeah, they may be alluding to the fact that a lot of those Shweki songs made it into bonus JM early this morning. Kali, it's Al, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for Tuesday. Next to JM Nam. ביקור יורש העצר הבריטי בישראל, נשיא המדינה ראובן ריבלין אמר לנסיך, העביר לאבו מזן מסר של שלום מאיתנו. וויליאם פנה לישראלים ואמר, אני מחבב אתכם ומקווה שהשלום באזור יגיע במהרה. about uh, the region and, and about um, hoping that peace in the area can be uh, achieved. טרור העפיפונים, תשע השרפות הוצתו היום בעוטף עזה, כתבנו רמי שני. לוחמי אש בסיוע אנשי כיבוי מקרן קיימת לישראל ועובדי שדות פועלים עתה לכבות מספר שרפות ומוקדי בעירה שהוצתו בעת נפילה של עפיפונים ובלונים נושאים חומרים מתלקחים. במהלך היום טיפלו כוחות הכיבוי והשתלטו על תשע שרפות ומנעו את התפשטותן ליישובים. מוקדם יותר פינו חבלני משטרה מספר בלונים מיישובים ושטחים ומנעו סיכון תושבים. השר לשיתוף פעולה אזורי צחי הנגבי אומר בגלי צה"ל כי הוא מתנגד ליוזמתו של שר הביטחון ליברמן להקים בקפריסין נמל שישמש את עזה. הוא לא יצא לפועל, הנכונות טמונה אך ורק בכך שיפסיקו להחזיק באנשים ובגופות של חיילים. אנחנו לא נעשה שום דבר מעבר לטיפול השוטף בנושאים הומניטריים כמו רציף בקפריסין. עבודות שירות בלבד לאחראים לגרימת מותה ברשלנות של סגן הילה בצלאלי, זכרה לברכה, באסון קריסת גשר התאורה בהר הרצל ב-2012. 
אמא של הילה, סיגלית בצללי, אמרה לי יעל דן בגלי צהל, פרצתי בבכי כששמעתי את גזר הדין. כל כך האמנתי בבית משפט, והכל היה שם זועק לשמיים, הכל חמור ביותר, ופתאום אנחנו מקבלים גזר דין מצחיק כל כך. אני חושבת שהיינו צריכים היום לסגור מעגל, הייתי יודעת שהמוות של הילה הוא לא היה מוות לחינם. ראש הממשלה נתניהו החליט לבטל את פיצול תאגיד השידור הציבורי כדי לאפשר את קיום האירוויזיון בישראל. כתבנו הפוליטי מיכאל האוזר טוב. נתניהו החליט להתקפל מהדרישה שהעלה לפני כשנה לפצל את תאגיד השידור הציבורי לגוף שידורי תוכן וגוף שידורי חדשות נפרדים, זאת בעקבות דרישות של איגוד השידור האירופי לקיומו של האירוויזיון כאן בישראל. בפגישה שהתקיימה סוכם לפעול לתיקון החקיקה בנושא. כזכור, ההחלטה על פיצול התאגיד עוסקה בתום משבר פוליטי בין נתניהו לשר כחלון, אולם לא בוצע עקב עתירות משפטיות. בביטוח הלאומי החליטו שכל הילדים עם תסמונת דאון יהיו זכאים לקצבה בשיעור של 100%. כתבנו ניר שוויד. עד כה קצבת ילד נכה שקיבלו ההורים לילדים עם תסמונת דאון נעה בין 100% מגובה הקצבה ל-50%. בהחלטת הביטוח הלאומי כדי להקל על העומס המוטל על ההורים, כל הילדים עם תסמונת דאון מתחת לגיל 6 יקבלו באופן אוטומטי קצבה מלאה בסך 2,570 שקלים בחודש, ללא מבדקים ועל סמך מסמכים רפואיים בלבד. והתחזית מחר עלייה בטמפרטורות לקראת עומס חום כבד ביום חמישי. אלה החדשות שעורך דן דובין. בחסות בימי, המציעה מגוון מתנות.
J.M. in the A.M. Good morning, all. Welcome to a Tuesday. How you doing? 11 minutes after 7 o'clock. Love you a ton with me. Uh, you heard Sandy Shmueli in there from Ani Shar with Misha Asa. J.M. in the A.M. at 65 degrees, mostly sunny and a high of 76. Big hello to our friends up in Guilford, New York. Camp Missouri getting ready for the campers. They arrive tomorrow. Their staff is uh, 
is doing a good job. Doing a good job getting ready for the uh, 2018 summer season. Hey, don't forget, we're in the midst of the final week of our spring fundraiser here at JM&AM and and the Nachum Siegel Network. Those of you who have not yet had an opportunity in the months of May and June to support us and to to, uh, give a nice contribution um, during our 2018 campaign, if you would do so this week, that would be wonderful. Um, If you want to read the letter, our most recent fundraising letter, or if you want to donate, go to fjbunity.org, FJB, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting fjbunity.org for all the information. Three weeks format, believe it or not, begins on Sunday. No joke. Shivasar Batamos is Shabbos. We fast on Sunday. And um, what can I say? It's hard to believe, frankly, that three weeks are this close and right around the corner. And as I said earlier during the uh, one of the opening breaks of the show, once Tisha B'Av ends... We have an unbelievably incredible July to tune into here at the Nahum Siegel Network because we're immediately heading to Israel with Nefesh Benefesh. You love that show. We love it. I'm sure you love it. It's an amazing show uh, from the plane. Um, then on a Wednesday night, will be uh, final Wednesday of July, we'll be at Yom NCSY. Remember, if you have a camper or a staff member in the NCSY summer programs and you want to include a shout-out to them in our broadcast, just email it, nachum at nachumsegel.com. Put the Yom NCSY in the subject line, Yom NCSY, and we'll try our best to work that into the show on that Wednesday night. That'll be Thursday morning show. Then Thursday night we'll be in Bet Mayer for Friday morning show. We will be stopping at a winery along the way to do a uh, winery show in Israel, which is always cool. And then we fly back to be at Hask early Sunday morning, final Sunday of July in order to participate in their big Hask experience. They are not, I'll say it again. I'll say it again in regard to the Hask show. Uh, we'll be recording Monday mornings, JM and the AM from Camp Hask. If you have a special shout-out you want to include in the Camp Hask show, the final Sunday and Monday in July, just send it to nachomandnachomsegel.com. Put the uh, Hask show in the subject line, and we'll work it into the show. Simple as that. If you know of a staff member, camper, anybody's going to be up there, who may want to uh, either hear their name while we're there or, you know, afterwards they could hear it if they hear the show afterwards, whatever the case may be. So a very, very exciting month of July. I don't think we've ever said that about a month that's 80% to three weeks, <laughs> but it's a reality. It is It is a great month of July coming up for us here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Plenty more coming up 14 minutes after the hour. You are listening to JM in the AM. This soul's memory is faded This heart's been filled with complicated I can't face the emptiness inside Where are you now? I'm covering my eyes Thank 
I'm a good 
J.M. and the A.M. That's a good eighth day song. That is a good eighth day song. Got to remember that one. Called Torah here at J.M. and the A.M. Off of the album entitled The Slow Down. Before that, Natanel Hirschstick, Ami Yisrael Chai from The Art of the Cantor. Uh, Eberster, that was done by Eli Schwebel. You heard Leviathan in there with Miyale. Tuesday morning, it's J.M. and the A.M. with 65 degrees, mostly sunny, and a high of 76. Saying hi to all the summer camps that have us on in their offices and in their bunks, everybody who's up early in the morning, especially toward the beginning of the summer, you know how people tend to be up a little earlier until they start getting really wiped out <laughs> during the summer months. So a big hello to those who are uh, up early and listening to Jam in the AM. It is much appreciated. A lot of people have a um, have primary elections in, uh, well, certainly in New York City, but I, th- I think other areas of the country as well. Saw a notice earlier this morning from the uh, Flatbush Jewish Coalition. Uh, it says here, for instance, I'll give you an example. Today, Tuesday, is primary election day for federal elected officials due to a uh, change in the normal primary schedule. So there are two congressional seats on the ballot in Flatbush. Uh, so out there in uh, District 9 and District 11, you have, uh, that's the Donovan Grimm uh, uh, race. Um, District 11. So you have a couple of really important races out there. Here in this neighborhood, Lower Manhattan, uh, nothing really on the ballot, frankly. Uh, But it is primary day in some places, so keep that in mind. Make sure you get out there and vote. We've spoken about the importance of doing so many, many times. No need to go into it again right this second. Uh, But uh, exercise your right to vote, especially if it is an area area that has a a, a, a really um, tough election. Make your voice heard at the ballot box today. I want to thank our friends, the Brooklyn Cyclones. Cyclones had an amazing Jewish Heritage Night last week. Check out their schedule. They are among the best family fun entertainment anywhere. Uh, so you want to take your family, your friends, uh, a group, your shul, whoever, to a game this summer. Uh, you can enjoy an incredible view right there on the ocean and an incredible ballpark experience. Go to brooklyncyclones.com, brooklyncyclones.com. Check it out. And they do a lot of great things throughout the year for our community. If you speak with them, you want to put together a group, etc. Um, they will go above and beyond to make sure everything is taken care of for you. That I could tell you. 
JM in the AM with our David Goldwasser. His words, Zechanishmas Rav Zebin Yosef and Zechanishmas Esther Basar Yosef Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. Rav Lopion once related that there was a well-known Russia. He became gravely ill and he was brought to the huge hospital in Königsberg. Expert doctors all agreed that there was almost no hope for him. If he had a serious operation, then there was a small chance that he may recover. However, the man was a great pachtan. He was extremely fearful, and he would not agree to the operation. The doctors told him, If you don't agree, there's no further reason for us to keep you here, so you should go home. However, when the Russia heard this, he was so completely devastated, he reluctantly agreed to the operation. When he went into surgery, the doctors were already wearing their surgical gowns. They moved him to the operating table. His whole body began to shake. All of a sudden, he cries out, In your hands, I entrust my spirit. He then cried out, Shema Yisrael. Everyone began to shake. They were shocked by the intensity of his emotion. They could not believe these psukim had come to his mouth. There wasn't any question that prior to this, he was a koifer. He denied the existence of Hashem. Everyone there had a little bit of a hero tshuva. But at the end, what happened was it was through Yisurim, through pains and afflictions, that he finally came to believe in Hashem. Rebbe Leo Lopian once said, From this we learn, nobody is lost. Every person, no matter who he is, no matter how far he is sunk, still has tshuva in the depths of their heart. There are many different types of depths. Some people, they come back because of Yisurim, because of Tzoros. However, it would be much better to reach those depths through an understanding in the Bria, through the love of Hashem, through the willingness and the desire to emulate His ways. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day.
Tuesday morning broadcast. Reminder, this coming Thursday, it's um, Rabbi Yisrael Besser, author of the book Rabbi Mayer's Lotto. It's in our studio here at JM and the AM. This coming Thursday, in what uh, I am very, very much looking forward to, we announced this a couple of weeks ago, uh, Rabbi Yisrael Besser, he's the author of the book about the incredible uh, Rabbi Mayer's Lotto. And he will be in studio with us here at JMN. We'll Facebook Live. Uh, we'll have the entire interview, of course, for you available 
live and, of course, afterwards through the archives and through uh, the Facebook Live video. And uh, we hope everybody will tune in 7.50 Eastern Time, 7.50, 7.50 Eastern Time is coming Thursday morning. It's Roel Besser in our studio. We are planning on spending an hour with him here at JM in the AM. I hope you'll be tuned in. should be very, very interesting and fascinating. Uh, that was Yushalayim done by Ari Goldwag. Listen, our Malki's in Israel. She's on the app. Love starting my afternoon listening to JM and the AM. Bokerto from Jerusalem. Thanks for putting Grand Street back on the map. Thank you for that, Malki. Much appreciated. Tuesday morning broadcast. Many of you may have heard that the Orthodox Union's Women's Initiative has decided to underwrite 16 synagogue programs that support spiritual, religious, and communal involvement for women. Um, the programs were selected from a field of 93 applications. We had spoken about this. Uh, 93 applications for their Women's Initiative Challenge Grant. And with us live via telephone, Rebetzin Dr. Adina Schmidman, founding director of the OU's Department of Women's Initiatives. She is with us this morning here at JM in the AM. Dr. Schmidman, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It is a pleasure to be with you this morning. I appreciate that. What what caught my eye is I think there is an amazing balance between straightforward women's uh, study programs, Torah study, what we'd call learning programs, etc., and um, on the other side of the uh, of the balance, a, um, a a really interesting array of original initiatives. Did you find that there was a lot of creativity and originality in this process? There certainly was. We were very excited to see that the communities really challenged themselves and explored the needs of their uh, women and really tried to uh, brainstorm and collaborate. And what 93 submissions tells us is that it's 93 times the amount of women who participated. So this really... Hopefully, we're seeing a lot of energy and juices flowing when it comes to developing women's programming. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of great programming, as I said, a, a good part of it uh, uh, surrounding Torah study and um, uh, women's initiatives in that area. And then you have some really creative ones. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's interesting to me, and I'll go through some of the list in a minute. It's interesting to me that the the... The ones that got this grant, the ones that you know are on this list that struck the fancy of you and the committee, are ones that are really actively trying to bring female leadership to the fore in our community. A lot of a lot of uh, different shuls and groups came up with ideas to really cultivate and develop Jewish female leadership. Correct, and when we actually went through the ninety-three and we tried to track the ages that they're, that the different communities were trying to target, the geographic diversity, the hashtag diversity. What's remarkable is that these 16 really reflect the same balance of the 93. And we really did try to get that diversity in there where we, we are able to empower and enrich and energize and really strengthen communities in what they're trying to do. Uh, Dr. Adina Schmidman is with us, founding director of the OU's Department of Women's Initiatives. The um, the Shavuos program that we had spoken about on the air, um, and that uh, you know b- basically featured you know female scholars around the country. Um, I-, I guess it showed e- again or reiterated 
the the incredible growth in the area of Torah study when it comes to women in our community. Would you say that that program, in fact, was a great success? It was a great success. We had the opportunity to send nine women to nine different communities, as well as highlight the communities that were featuring their own women speakers. So we had a list of 70 schools, which was remarkable. And in addition to increasing learning opportunities for women, we were able to highlight women scholars, both recognized names, and also give younger women or women who really haven't been out there in, you know, uh, sharing their Torah knowledge, really giving them a platform and a venue to do so. And that was particularly exciting because we really want to move women up the ranks and give them the opportunity to share their Torah, their voice with the different communities. And it was very, very well received, both by women and by men, which is really exciting. Very nice. Robertson, Dr. Adina Schmidman is with us. All right, let me go through this list quickly. I have the... <laughs> I have a knack sometimes to do this pretty quick. I just think they should be recognized, and some and people out there should get an idea of what these programs are like. And I, and I hope I won't be putting you on the spot, but in a couple of instances where the, the headline or the title doesn't really give us an idea of what it is, I hope I'll be able to turn to you and get your comment about it. There's a summer women's bait midrash coming to Keter Torah in Teaneck, women's professional mentorship program at Dar Chinoam in Fairlawn, an institute of women uh, learning and leadership at Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, Women's Center for Inspired Judaism at Suburban Torah, our friends in Livingston. Women's Seder Avodah Yamim Noraim, Young Israel of Toko Hills down in Atlanta. Tools for Life, Knesset Beth Israel in Richmond, Virginia. Rebbiton in Residence, Westwood Kahila in L.A. Let's go through those those last two, if you don't mind. Do you know what Tools for Life means, what they're trying to do down there in Virginia? Yeah, so what they're trying to do is create a live stream Torah opportunity for women, who particularly young moms, who have a cha- where it's challenging for them to get out of the house and to be able to transmit Torah via live stream. That being said, they're, they're also looking to have the hub of the shul so that if you can get out, you can come to the shul, you can participate, but the teacher is actually teaching remotely. Hmm, so that's an exciting opportunity to explore the intersection of technology and Torah scholarship for women because I think it'll give opportunities to uh, women to learn in unique and creative ways. All right, tell me about the R&R, the Rebbitzin in residence at the Westwood Kahila in L.A. Okay, so that um, is, they actually uh, have modified their, or changed their title uh, <laughs> to Inspired Leadership for Women. <laughs> and what they're looking to do is to bring a woman on board at, in the synagogue le- uh, leadership staff, and for her to increase programming and connections with women in the community. Fantastic. Uh, learn to uh, lead at the Beth Jacob Congregation in Oakland. Uh, more than challah and candlesticks, women's relationship to Judaism in an orthodox context at UOS down in Houston. Transmitting Torah by women for women. I go to Shalom in Stanford. YIH, Asia Tchaila Initiative at the Young Israel of Hollywood. What's an Asia Tchaila Initiative? So there, they're looking. They're using the word the term Asia style because the paradigm of an Asia style is someone who has so many facets to her and connects to her family and her and impacts her community by the strengths that she brings to uh, to both her family and community. And so the Asia style initiative is is looking to nurture a woman in different capacities by uh, 
terms of emotional, psychological, parenting uh, skills, all those different areas to uh, mindfulness, time management, conflict resolution, all those different areas so that she can then uh, bring those strengths to herself, her family, and her community. And that's down in the unusual of Hollywood, Fort Lauderdale area. The Women's Torah and Leadership Training at Lincoln Square Synagogue. Midarla Dark, Cultivating Jewish Female Leadership Across Generations. That sounds very cool. The unusual of Oceanside. Saturday Night In, and then it's a subtitle, Saturday Night Inside Torah, Learning and Entertainment for Women of Our Community at the unusual of Greater Cleveland. Your Voice, Our Community at the unusual of Southfield in Michigan and Women's Education Department. B'nai Jacob, Shari Zion, Congregation in Baltimore, Maryland. It is amazing, frankly, how you know a grant can literally build an entire department in a shul. It must make you feel very good. This is this is a, a reflection of your own department that you founded, and that now this is happening in, in at least sixteen other places. We are absolutely thrilled. We we uh, were thrilled to see the response from the community. Uh, we really didn't know, you know, how many grants to expect how many proposals to expect. We actually had initially said that we were going to fund 10, and we're funding 16. So that just speaks to the point that we are so absolutely uh, thrilled, and we want to be able to respond and empower the communities to serve their their women in the most uh, effective and impressive way possible. And I would also add that this... These are programs that we're hoping can be replicated and scaled. So we're looking at these programs also from the lens of these can be piloted, right. you know, or these are being will be piloted by these communities, and then these communities will become, in quotes, advisor synagogues to other communities. Yeah. So this means that we can spread this. So it's not just 16, it's 16 that can be that will hopefully become more and more and more. And you're and you're in the right building for that because we know through synagogue services and through NCSY at the OU, people are always, you know, with glad you know, gladly are letting people copy their programs and bring them to other communities around the country. So, you know, that right. that mo- that model exists already. Correct. And so we're we're really thrilled and and this idea of not being siloed of working, you know, inter department is also fantastic can i say something and i say this really with the greatest admiration i hope it comes out like that when, when you sat in the studio and first introduced this entire initiative to us which was brand new for the ou and really in many ways brand new for the orthodox community uh, i certainly did not uh, know exactly where this was going it was much very abstract when we discussed it certainly for me and i think for you to an extent also you i, I don't know if you were 100 percent sure exactly you know what it would look like a year later etc and it must be and- Am I right about that? And and it must be an amazing feeling seeing this come to fruition and and really having the you know the, the feet on the ground in so many different places getting all this done at this point. So I would say it's super exciting. I the way it is evolving, it it takes time. So right. it's and, and yet you use the word a year. Actually, we met at the beginning of November. Ah. So it's it's not even a year. Right. So we're talking about seven eight months and to see this uh, really come uh, from the ground, and particularly this program, I would like, that, that's actually a very um, useful metaphor, this idea of it being grassroots and being bottom-up. We, we wanted to hear from communities, because in molding the, the department, it's very important to know what 
do communities want, what the communities need. And this was an opportunity to hear from the communities themselves and for them to give us their wish list and to know what they, you know, how can we best help you? And to communicate from this, from this department out, you know your women best. We're going to try to create programs, or, and we are creating exciting programs, the Shabuot program. We're developing an impact institute for leadership training. We're planning a conference for women, a high school girls, Yomi Yun. But we want to empower you, the community, to develop your programs that will address your women's needs best. Right. And, and I think the diversity of programs on, the, on this list of 15 and the geographic diversity and the hashkafic diversity and the age diversity really reflects that. And that is, is fantastic. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Kawakavod is all I could say. You're doing what you just described nationwide in so many different communities around the country. It's really amazing. Uh, Dr. Adina Schmidman, she's the founding director of the OU's Department of Women's Initiatives. 16 grants have been distributed um, as opposed to the 10 that were originally thought uh, to be awarded. But 16 have been awarded. And uh, we say mazal tov to all the different congregations and all the groups that have really spent a lot of time putting their grant proposal together and uh, focusing on their needs in their specific community. Dr. Schmidman, uh, mazal tov to you. Really amazing. I think it's a tremendous step. And I, I really, I look back fondly at the first day that we discussed this. And uh, I think it's remarkable that it's gotten to this point. So mazal tov to you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I hope the communities, those, the, the remainder of the 93, uh, are able to take their ideas and roll with them, too. In, in, in truth, it's a $5,000 grant, and not to minimize, obviously, right. that's, that's a, you know, it's a significant amount of money, but we're really hopeful that this has really started to generate a lot of discussion, interest, and passion for women's programming. And if, if there are communities that do run their program uh, on their own, we would love to hear about that, because I think that really speaks to the point of, of generating interest and excitement and talk and moving that talk into action. So but, we're thrilled about being able to fund these 16, and we hope that you know the, the, that the other schools will be able to find the resources to run their programs as well. By the way, uh, that might be a key. Now that uh, you know potential donors in those local communities have seen how seriously this process was taken by the people in their synagogue, they may come forward and say, you know what? It's a great idea. Unfortunately, the OU you know, did not award us the grant, but let's make it happen. Let's make it happen here. And I, th- I I really hope so because I know that it's hard not to get a grant. Right. Uh, but that's you know. But hopefully, and I, I I like the way you said it. Hopefully, a donor will find you know the uh, the capacity to fund that. Yeah. Once they see as as so many of these communities did that they took took it so seriously and really wanted to make the effort to get that program started in their community. Well, thank you so much, Kola um, uh, Kavod. I thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you. And if people want to read more about the programs, ou.org slash women. And we're just really excited. So thank you for the opportunity to to share. A pleasure. ou.org slash women. ou.org slash women. Information about all of this, including the challenge grant and the uh, the news of those who were awarded around the country um, monies for their synagogue programs. Tuesday morning broadcast at 8 minutes before 8 o'clock. Plenty more coming up here at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. with Miami, and it is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world on the web, at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Rabbi Hanoch Teller joins me next, one minute from now. Keep it here at J.M. in the A.M. Shame and am on a Tuesday morning. Rabbi Chanoch Teller, who has been a guest of ours before here at JM and the AM, he is the author of 28 books. Who knows? Maybe it's more by now. Uh, there is a second edition of the book entitled Heroic Children, Untold Stories of the Uncomparable, uh, which we will discuss, and it's now available. You can go to his website, chanochteller.com. It's probably available in thousands of other places, and we have the privilege of having him here in our Lower East Side studio on a JM in the AM Tuesday morning here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Rabbi Hanoch Teller, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. Morning, everyone out there. It is nice to see you. It's very mutual. It's been a while. <laughs> so this morning you took my advice. Move that drop closer. This morning you took my advice. And you visited and... and My act- beloved Lower East Side. And the Bialystoker Synagogue. Yes. And you walked in here saying, it's interesting, I don't remember exactly what word you used, but it sounded like it, it was the word interesting, that you are visiting or, ha- or you've just visited a place that you've written about in your books, but you had never seen it before? I've never been in there. How did I, it make it into your books? I wrote about Rav Yaakov Yosef there. Right. And uh, for those who remember, you'd have to be an insider for this, uh, Rabbi Lopiansky. Right. I think it was the Gabbai Bialystoker Show. And so my two Rebbe's really, I mean, well, there's a couple in between, was of Nissen Alpert, who's right. certainly an insider of sure. blessed memory, and skipping a little bit, then Ravaren Lapiansky, who grew up in Lower East Side. His father was the Gabbai Mill Stucker Shul, if I'm not mistaken. Very interesting. So I was reared. This is the milk I was raised on. And I finally walk in there, and it's 3D, and I, it's real life. I can feel the pews and the, the memories. A lot of history in there. And I'm running to show because it's, you know, parking and all that. I'm all right. running to show, and I'm picturing these people in the winter running in their ragged uh, shoes, going to this show, and uh, Yaakov Yosef giving a drasha. All this is coming alive to me. It's, it was uh, surreal. Incredible. Rabbi Hanoch Teller is here. So... I mentioned 28 books. That sounds accurate, right? Uh, actually, you're pretty close. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I usually, I'm usually around the area. <laughs> no, no, you're not only close. It really is 28. However, this new book, we're calling it a new book, right. Heroic Children, which I'll talk about in just a moment. Sure. This is a second edition. Normal second edition means you made a few, you fixed up a few typos. Right. This is a very significant upgrade, a very significant overhaul. What happened was... The book did very well. I'm going to explain that, Mizrat Hashem. It did very well, but I neglected to cite my sources. It was meticulously researched, but I didn't cite the sources, and that prevented it from being respected in scholarly communities. So I spent two painstaking years, admittedly perhaps a little bit too long, not only citing the sources, but I was in the process already, you have in the back over 50 pages of explanatory endnotes, which explain so many things. That's why, as Michael Medved wrote, that this is, if you have to read one book on the Holocaust, this should be it. But you walk away, the stories are riveting. It's not like, oh no, Holocaust. And you understand things which you would never understand before, which are explained. I dealt with the questions. I'm teaching Holocaust 30 years. I'm involved in Yad Vashem over 30 years. 
I know what the questions are, and they're all ad- they're all addressed in this book. And you can address all those questions through stories. Correct, and that is the best way. I think I've told you this once before. What is the most? I'm not hot seat. No, no, no. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. But you get the, what is the most famous story of the Holocaust? Anne Frank. Correct. Right again. Now, Anne's story is not a reflective story, nor emblematic. Right. Correct. She wasn't in the ghettos, Correct. wasn't in the camps, she wasn't even in, head. Was not even in the country that's generally spoken about when right. spoken about the Holocaust. Right. She was with her family. There was a modicum of food. Right. And yet, and yet, because it's a story, it's easy to relate. Right. The reason my tour in Yad Vashem is unhumbly so popular is because, you know, Yad Vashem was created by the curators to be guided. And any time there are dozens of tours... And my, I can't believe it. These people are just unspooling data that the head cannot absorb. It's an infinite crime. An infinite crime going on in 15 countries, different regimes, different static statistics. So what I'm always doing is telling a story, a personal story, which then connects to what happened. And chances of people remembering that and okay. processing it is right. much greater. Correct. Uh, and it's people have heard me there. Then they bring me out to their communities to speak about it. Uh, I was just now for the second time. There's an interesting factoid about this book. I was just now for the second time in Beaufort, South Carolina. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know you had an audience there. <laughs> Neither, but I had a bigger audience than I have anywhere. Beaufort, South Carolina, there is a mega church. Right. And the pastor got very friendly with me because of a tour of Yad Vashem. So I didn't actually speak in the church. I spoke in the social hall. Right. But anyways, you know, on a Wednesday night, at 6 o'clock to have over 1,000 people were hanging. And they want to know more and more about the Holocaust. And then they brought me back just now again. Uh, in April, to speak again about this. It's become a real facet of life. So I have the interesting factoid that in Beaufort, South Carolina, there are hundreds and hundreds, uh, close to 500 books that have been sold on the Holocaust, which I don't know if you have that in Queens or right. Staten Island. Right. Uh, actually, I haven't read this one particular book. And, then, and another interesting thing is that Beaufort is the headquarters that Marines are divided by the Mississippi. East is in Paris Island, which is Beaufort, and the West is San Diego. So uh, a... General in the Marines was so taken by this, he's assigned all his platoon leaders. It's now curriculum in the Marines to read heroic children for platoon leaders. Uh, because they're going to gain what from it? A Marine leader will, will how will it enhance his experience as a leader? Because this book, besides being, it does portray the horror of what occurred, but it's mostly a story of hope. How these children going through situations we, we cannot even fathom were able somehow to come through this, Wipe off the dust off their shoulders and lead these fantastic lives. Could it also be that they're, they're, you're describing this book, what some people have gone through and, and continue in some ways to go through, and the Marines feel, their leadership feels, they have to pass on to their, to their uh, subjects the, that it's their responsibility to care for people around the world who are in situations like this? And that's absolutely. Uh, many of them actually told me that they're, because many people going to Marines, I guess, are from military families, that their grandfather had liberated a camp, right. and they had always heard about this. Right. Now, all of a sudden, the whole story came now together. Now they could understand what they were liberating, what was going on there, right. and why they were so vital in Jewish history, There's a th- footnote, their, their grandparents. There's a footnote in the book. Uh, when Ordorf, which was the first camp that was liberated by the Americans, uh, General Eisenhower came there together with General Patton. Now, Patton's nickname was Old Blood and Guts. Right. He was not known for his Edelkite. Right. And he just went behind a building and was throwing up the whole time. He just could not process what he was seeing, what he was smelling. And at one point, there was a former Nazi guard who was their tour guide and they threw out the camp, and he spared them nothing. At one point, one of the GIs accidentally bumped into this tour guide, the, the, the SS officer, and out of nervousness, he giggled. And Eisenhower froze him with a stare that could melt lava, and he said, to, and that could freeze lava. And he said to him, 
uh, are you still having a problem hating them? And then he said the following, it is said that the American soldier doesn't know what he's fighting for. I want every soldier possible to come here and see at least what they're fighting against. Unbelievable. Rabbi Hanoch Teller is here. The book is called Heroic Children, Untold Stories of the Unconquerable. Um, is, the, is the Holocaust, and this is going to sound terrible the way I'm asking it, is it your favorite subject to lecture on? If someone said to you, you know, woke you up in the middle of the night and said, okay, time to deliver a lecture, would mm-hmm. it in fact be one of these stories, one of these themes? Uh, actually, when I speak about the Holocaust, which I do all the time, I'm going to be speaking, uh, God willing, regarding the Holocaust on Shavasar Batamu's this in, Sunday. This Sunday. Yeah. I'll be speaking up, I think it's 2 o'clock in Luxor, it's up in the, in the Catskills, sure. and it's 7.15 in B'nai Yashurun in Teaneck. Oh, boy. So we'll Leave uh, a lot of time between places <laughs> on a Sunday at the Catskills, you know. <laughs> Tell me about it. I think I hope I'm coming back in the right direction. <laughs> Not really, <laughs> but okay. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So those uh, two appearances are both, while well, Shavasar Batamu is appropriate, obviously. Correct. And those, so but the answer, answer your question, question yeah. not yet. Uh, is it a, sub, a favorite subject? It's a subject that I'm humbly I'm competent to speak about. I speak about it often. I lecture about it often. So I'm able, and what I convey is material generally people are not familiar with. I think people should be familiar with. So I like when you, no one likes to say over old hat. Right. Uh, probably my favorite subject is uh, Gedoli Yisrael, because I feel it's also a subject that's not well known. It's very inspiring. You know, rabbis get up and they tell something, and most people's heads, it all gels together. You know, they don't remember, they may remember, the delivery was interesting, but not even the content. But the Gedolim, because also it's very story intensive. But when I talk about the Holocaust, there are aspects that are so fascinating and give people so much hope and direction. And there is something which I call a Holocaust perspective, which I have. Uh, it sounds awfully dreary, but actually, uh, I don't regret this. There are people, I have colleagues who are very Holocaust uh, intensive, and... I pity them and their families because it's just a little bit too much in the dumps. But I like the fact if the weather is lousy, I don't bellyache. If food isn't so fresh, I don't start uh, complaining and kvetching because I think right. to myself, when I see the snow, I picture hundreds of people marching you know, without shoes in the snow. and These things come to me and it makes me not take life all that seriously. That's a fringe benefit. Right. Uh, the point of the book is to give people an awareness. Because it's hard to read about the Holocaust, these stories of nine children told in their own voices. Let me go back one step. When the war was over, people obviously wanted to tell the stories and how they had suffered. The one people who had not spoken, and to this very day, are the children. And their story went untold. So I think that's the final frontier of Holocaust literature. So what I did was I was determined. I traveled around the world to gather their stories. And the fact of the matter is, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, there are many children who survived the Holocaust went through great efforts, mental stamina and gymnastics, to forget what they had experienced. And they were so successful when it became more in vogue in the 1980s to talk about it. At that point, their mind had played tricks on them and their stories were not accurate. I could not afford a story which wasn't accurate. So I had to sift through, because I am a little bit knowledgeable about this, till I, find not, till I found nine stories which is very reflective of the entire Holocaust kingdom. Man, woman, religious, not religious, different socioeconomic backgrounds, and this story really portrays a good idea of what... And you read this book, but in the process you'll understand what Gestapo policy was, you'll understand how the Nazis did what they did, how they were successful. And the book has very uh, significant index. Under the topic of deception, there's probably 50 entries, because they did everything from verbal camouflage. I mean, the very term showers. I mean, it right. was so unbelievable. Right. In a word, it was unbelievable. Right. The last word they heard, if they could hear it, was Ivan 
turn on the water. Right. Uh, deceived to the very end. So deception played an important role in this book portrays very much all these aspects of the Holocaust, including, like we said earlier, the take-home messages. I assume you visited the concentration camps in Europe. I have. Um, an experience you would recommend or would not recommend? Uh, this is controversial. Uh, I know. I have a certain... I grew up with a certain point of view because of what my parents felt about it, and I've adjusted as I've gotten older. I'm curious what you have to say. I'm, uh, I'm not really in favor of it. Right. Uh, I'm not in favor of it because, you know... After Gerush Svarad, the rabbi said, 500 years we shouldn't go back to Spain, and we observed that. Right. And now, like, you can't stop going to Poland. Not to mention the recent uh, decision of the Polish government, which mm -hmm. is a, a total slap in the face to the memory of the victims. Right. And I'm not happy, please, giving all these money to anti-Semites. However, I must, as a footnote, say it is a fact. Uh, one of my sons-in-law, Yehuda Warblowski, uh, is very... Taurus Raya? Correct. Huh. He is... Uh, very adamant that this trip is vital because there is a significant minority. I don't know if it's 20% or 40%, but a significant minority of kids who go there and it's life warming well, for the 20 better. or 40 is rather, rather significant. Yeah, very significant. And right. it makes a difference, which school can't do Both to Both men and women. Men and women. I mean, Dar Chibina, right. when a school where I teach, right. they, that's part of their curriculum. They right. go there. Uh, and much better if it's a school who's going there right. as opposed to joining these right. groups. And with the proper guide, et cetera, as, Correct. as you'd recommend. Right. So I personally... I'm not favor. I'd say it's much easier to go to Yad Vashem right. and, uh, and get the education, or even better, read this book. Right. Get to for a deeper understanding. But uh, Poland, I have problems with going there. I wouldn't recommend it, but, right, but it's people gain a lot from it. Right, and people are going constantly. Uh, nine stories. Nine stories can tell an entire, an entire history of a decade of Judaism. Uh, correct. It's certainly from the perspective of children talking right. in their own voices. Uh, but these children were, some of them were with their parents. Some of them were on their own. Some of them grew up overnight. And some of them remained children. I have a story of uh, three kids in France that were running for their lives. And as they were running, they got to wine country. And they came across their childhood heroes, the trois musketeers, the three musketeers. And they're running for their lives. And they started swashbuckling with each other because they were children. And just, they lost themselves. And then all of a sudden, reality hit them. They had to run for their lives. They, they kept on running. But they'd stopped when they saw the statue of the Three Musketeers. Unbelievable. Um, I assume it's available everywhere. And, Actually, no. Right and, now, and your it is website so new, would be a good resource, right? Right now, it's place. the only place available. The only place. The only place. If uh, the date of the book is June 19, 2018, it's just the glue is still wet. Uh, it will be coming. It's getting onto the boat. So uh, hopefully, it'll be here at the beginning of the three weeks. But right now, the only way to get it with a very, very significant discount is hanochteller.com. That's H-A-N-O-C-H-Teller.com. Uh, and anybody from around the world can order it through that website correct. and have it shipped to them, no matter what country. Free and free shipping. Mm, very nice. Hanochteller.com. Hanochteller.com. Tuesday morning at JM in the M with Rabbi Hanoch Teller in studio. Uh, yeah, the, you mentioned the three weeks, and I, again, you know, people tend to, during the three weeks and nine days, you know, gravitate toward literature like this, and, and they want to... Uh, not only learn stories of the Holocaust, but they themselves will transmit stories to their campers, to their children, to those they come in touch with, uh, they, they come in contact with. It's a, um, um, it, it, I mean, it's an opportunity this to is, really the give to really give a curriculum to those who are. I don't want to say teaching it because that might be an insult to you because you're the ultimate teacher <laughs> of this, but but those who are transmitting it. Let's say so. If someone you know, if if a if a camp counselor or division head for argument's sake, you know, wants to present during the nine days or on Tisha B'Av itself, 
something along this theme, this might be a good place to start. I would suspect it is. Yeah. Uh, people tell me, I don't think I coerce people to buy the book, but people who get it tell me they, they're so grateful. They saw this, and finally a grandparent says, I was able to let my children understand, my grandchildren understand. Or people told me, I finally understand my grandparents, or my great-grandparents. Or finally I understand, because they didn't understand before. And I mentioned earlier, it's not just telling the history of what happened, but also portraying the lessons that have been derived. It's a remarkable thing. There's a term which I'm sure you're familiar with, a term in Yiddish called Rebegelt. Rebegelt means literally tuition, by way of example. Right. If you park your car in front of a pump, as it's called in Brooklyn, or fire hydrant. <laughs> fire hydrant, yeah. <laughs> you get, and you get a $150 fine. It's such frustration. But if you learn a lesson from this, you'll never park in front of a fire hydrant. That $150 became tuition in fire hydrant school. So we never experienced anything more painful than the Holocaust. And yet and yet, we haven't learned a thing. And it makes me crazy. So in the book, there are very significant lessons. It's done subtly, but lessons to derive. And finally, a rebigel from all of this. Well, and, and how do you conclude that we haven't learned the thing? Like, what, what evidence from today would tell us that we just haven't learned the lesson? Of well, for world? example, you would imagine after the Holocaust, uh, for, um, the Einsatzgruppen, and the special death units, were formed by four different, four different groups, A, B, C, or in German, I, you know, different, four different groups. Each one was headed by a doctorate in philosophy, no less. They were highly educated people. They were architects, school superintendents, engineers, so this tells us education does not make a moral person. Right. As I ask my students, who would you imagine is a more moral individual? A flautist for the Philadelphia Concert Symphony or a sewage cleaner? And the answer is, they're both the same. Having a nice job or being a nuclear physicist doesn't make you a more moral person. It makes you an educated person. You have to be taught to be educated. So you would imagine after the Holocaust, being good morality would be a substitute they teach in schools. It hasn't changed. In schools, they teach physics. I'm, I'm, I'm all for, all, so I'm all for right. knowledge. They'll be taught physics and civics and geography and history and foreign language. That will make you educated. It will not make you a good person. We don't necessarily relate to this because we who have a Yaakov education, a Shiv education, or we come from a, a, a good family. From, the day, from day one, from the get-go, we're taught how to be a moral person. Mm -hmm. But if it's not taught, the default is, Yetzir Lev Adam Ra Minurav, person by birth, is evil. In other words, the Nazi was not aberrant. The moral people are. In my tour in Yad Vashem, uh, it begins with the path of the righteous rent, path of the righteous Gentile. Those mm -hmm. people who risked their lives and that of their families to save others. The majority of them were likely not academics. They were not academics. Right. Many, many of them were illiterate. Right. And then there's another path which goes into the bowels of the Holocaust. And I always say that these two paths are parallel. It's a race against time. Because... The default is not, I asked the question, you know, you go into a, the house of an Avrech or younger man, you'll see on the wall a picture of Ramosh Shapiro right. or Rav Meisha or, or the Stipler, or you name Rav Cook, any Godel. Right. Why don't you ever see a picture of a Brussels sprout? Now think about it. Brussels sprouts are squeaky clean, never murdered, raped, extorted. They're so good, but they were never tempted. Right. We admire the people, have the same tests we have, same, walk the same streets we walk, breathe the same air, and they ascended. So the, lay, the, the default of a person, the same hammer which could build a hospital could also build a gas chamber. So we admire the people who took the challenge and ascend. Those were the righteous Gentiles. That, those were going in the right path. But the default was, it's a person by nature, the default is bad. And so that's a lesson that's not been learned. If you don't teach people to be moral, it's not going to happen. What do you do with very young people? And I mean very young people who are curious about the Holocaust, I don't know, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, before bar and bat mitzvah, 
Uh, when you said very young, 11, I think, is really competent to handle most everything. And according to Chazal, so is a nine-year-old. But the rules of Yad Vashem, I think, under 10 are, under, are not allowed in. It's just, it's, it's not worth the effort. It's not, right. probably more damage could be done than what's productive. You have, everything has to be age appropriate. And we also know you have a 14-year-old going on 28 and you right. have a 28-year-old going on 10. So that a parent has to know best. Uh, uh, my children, because we talk about it uh, at the table, I think they're pretty familiar with it, uh, even at a young age. Interesting. Hanoch Teller is here. The website, hanochteller.com, H-A-N-O-C-H, teller.com. Correct. And that is the best place, uh, the only place, as you indicated, to get the brand new second edition of Heroic Children, Untold Stories of the Uncomparable. Um, Michael Medved with a very nice approbation, as you mentioned earlier, and plenty others as well, including Rabbi Lau, Rabbi Sachs, or Martin Gilbert. Uh, he's a pretty uh, distinguished yes. <laughs> historian, isn't he? <laughs> I'd say that's... Criminal levels of understanding. He's got some street cred, as they say. (laughs) I don't know on the college campuses if they use that expression in the world of academia. Um, And you'll be able to to explore these stories and learn a tremendous amount about the uh, Holocaust. And uh, you mentioned the research that had to be done in order to, I don't know, authenticate or to... um, Cite. Right, to to cite and bring this to the standards that you wanted it. Um, Is that nearly... Not as much fun as when you're just writing storybooks and you know and getting the stories that you hear out there to the public. Well, fun is not exactly the most appropriate word in this whole. I always mm-hmm. think that when it comes to the story compilations, you are having fun presenting. Oh, there's them. no question. If I don't so, cry at a sad part and I don't laugh, so is this part, different? Well, here I'm talking about extremely sad situations. These are children on their own, and they were against a Nazi monster, and they were in the in the heart of the beast. So it's so, not a storybook. Well, it's definitely a book of. It's not right. a storybook, but right. it's a story. Each story begins upon. When the Nazis invaded their region, it ends mm-hmm. upon their liberation. So it's very much a story. However, uh, these stories, I mean, when I heard these children, I mean, when I interviewed them, they were in the grips of old age. When I interviewed them, I saw it in their eyes flashing back to their, these terrified youngsters. And it was really riveting hearing them tell the story. So writing the story and bringing it to life was a very, very important thing. Uh, the teed work, the spade work, going through the sources, and, and it's quite... I mean, the bibliography is pages and pages and pages and pages and pages. Mm-hmm. But I was very helped. And I work in Yad Vashem, and there's scholars there that are extremely knowledgeable. And everyone has their own realm of expertise, and you're able to get it together. How does somebody take advantage of your tour at Yad Vashem? Do they go to the office and say, hey, mm-hmm. I want to reserve Rabbi Teller? Is that how it works? Uh, that's one way. Usually people can refer to me through my website. Oh, and and there's, make- there's one portal on the website for Yad Vashem. And they make an appointment there uh, for their group. Uh, and I asked this Rabbi Weinrib when he wrote a, when he wrote the, the Kinnis book, and um, I hope you don't mind if I repeat it uh, in this forum. Uh, I, I said to him, "What's it like, you know, sitting in the sukkah on Cholamayit Sukkis and and Eichas on your mind, <laughs> and sitting Purim at the Suda, and you know Kinnis is going through your head because you're working on a book? Is it sometimes difficult to <laughs> to leave this behind as I hold this book to leave this behind and and go and have a normal Shabbos or Yantif? <laughs> it is. I mean, I, people ask me how I'm able to give a tour, and I put a lot of passion into the tour, and then go out and lead a normal life, right. and, and go running and do do all the other things that I do, and go teaching, and not necessarily teaching. Holocaust. And having fun on Purim. <laughs> yeah. And the answer is is that uh, I try. You know, I focus when I get into one place. This is what I'm thinking about. Uh, again, I've told you I have colleagues that they just their life is the Holocaust. Right. That's not where I'm holding. Right. I said I. And the advantage I think I have is that I don't take life all that seriously because I'm aware of, I feel moronic and misilicon idiotic complaining about things which are really right. not significant. But otherwise, yeah, I'm able to make that division. Yeah. I was once complaining about airline food and uh, 
made the mistake of complaining to my father who informed me <laughs> that when we had one engine going across the Atlantic, we were just sitting and praying we'd actually make it safely. We were not that concerned with what they were serving on the plate. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> it's all about perspective, right? That is correct. To say the least. Uh, go to the website, everybody. Information about all of this, HanochTeller.com, H-A-N-O-C-H, Teller.com. The book is in its second edition. Really, right now, the only place to get it is the website. You'll find it in stores as the three weeks gets underway starting this coming Sunday. The book entitled Heroic Children, Untold Stories of the Uncomparable. Of the Unconquerable. And the 28 works, uh, I recommend that when you go to those stores, don't only pick up the uh, the brand new Heroic Children Second Edition, but pick up some of the previous twenty eight. Uh, many of them are extremely entertaining and fun. You have good taste, and you know me. <laughs> I'm all about the entertainment and fun. Simple as that. Rabbi Teller, I appreciate you being here. It must uh-huh. be interesting knowing that Rav Moshe Feinstein, Rav Henkin, and others walked on this block that oh, you just that me? you just walked. Oh, you must be me. interesting because oh, I take gosh. it for granted being here so many years, but. But they, who I just mentioned, and Rav Alpert, of course, your Rebbe, was yeah. right in front of this building many, many times. Unbelievable, unbelievable. And I, I, I got to, when Israel's, Israel, Jerusalem's 15th uh, anniversary of liberation, yeah. 1982, right. there was a big deal for this anniversary, and they had a uh, prize, which was an essay, which we won. And I wrote about what it's like to walk the streets of Jerusalem, what it's like to walk down Rechov Rachel Imenu, Rechov down you know, all these streets and what it means to me. And so and I said, once I was on the heart seal and someone asked me, uh, do you, don't you, and they said, this is not where King David is buried. They said, this is where Crusader was buried. He said, I can't, I don't know. I can tell you one thing. David and Yonatan played marbles over here. That's good enough for me. That we know for sure. Yeah. Amazing. All right, tell her I thank you. Hope the three weeks will be uh, even more uh, of an inspiring period for people as they explore this book. Heroic Children, Untold Stories of the Uncomparable. Thank you for visiting us today. Rabbi Hanoch Teller on a very special Tuesday morning broadcast. You're listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. with Eitan Katz, Tuesday morning broadcast. Thanks for joining us, everybody. A reminder, this coming Thursday, Rabbi Yisrael Besser is here in the studio. We get an opportunity to explore the brand-new book uh, about Rabbi Meir Zlotowicz and his uh, incredible life, founder of Art Scroll. It's happening this coming Thursday. We start about 7.50 Eastern time. Make sure to be tuned in and join us this coming Thursday morning for that. And, of course, it will be Facebook Live. So you'll have an opportunity to see everything that's happening here at uh, J.M. in the A.M. Um, oh, listener Sima says, good morning. This is on the app. Got to enjoy Sandy Shmueli, my brother's Shabbat Chatan this past Shabbat. And I was thinking of you. Thank you, Sima. Yes, Sandy's one of our favorites, that's for sure. Bakery Guy says, good morning. Making a delivery at Maisha's. I assume he means on Grand Street. And listening to his favorite show. Thank you, Bakery Guy. And M.H. Dower says, go Rabbi Werblowski, who we mentioned during the interview with her. I tell her his son-in-law in Torah Shraga. It's JM in the AM. Good morning, everybody. A reminder, uh, we've been talking about the three weeks, and even with the three weeks dominating the month of July, we're still going to have an amazing month of July at JM in the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, we'll do the Nefesh Benefesh trip on the plane, uh, the show on the plane, as you've gotten used to over the years. That's going to be happening uh, at the end of July. We get to Israel. We'll be at Yom NCSY in Latrun and in Beit Meir on the Thursday night. Uh, we'll do a winery show as well while we're there, and then we come back to Camp Hask on that Hask Experience Day, the last Sunday in July. So there's a lot going on. I want to remind you, if you have somebody at Yom NCSY and you want to make sure they get a special shout-out from us during the show, uh, all you got to do is um, is literally send us an email with the subject line, Yom NCSY, and we'll try our best uh, to utilize that shout-out during the show. And the same thing with Hask. When we're there on the uh, final Sunday of uh, July, uh, if you have a, somebody who's going to be a staff or camper up in Camp Hask, uh, I think they're there already, right? I believe they've started their summer. Um, then all you got to do is send us an email, nachomatnachomsegel.com, uh, subject line, Hask, and we will try our best to incorporate that shout-out into the show as well. Reminder, we're at fjbunity.org, final week of our spring fundraiser to support JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. Go to fjbunity.org, FJB, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org and you can participate and um, uh, help us keep going simple as that that will end Friday with the unofficial end of our spring fundraiser but we ask everybody who has not participated yet in 2018 to please join us go immediately to fjbunity.org toss in your donation those of you who want to uh, give us a dollar a day that's 360 20 times high that'd be great those who want to give more please do so those who are uh, giving less, no problem. Just please participate with us. FJBUnity.org. FJBUnity.org. Want to take this opportunity and wish a mazel tov to the Ferdig family. We had an amazing opportunity yesterday morning right after JMM to celebrate with Naftali Ferdig and his wonderful parents, Hani and Mayer, uh, in Teaneck, New Jersey at B'nai Yashur. And it was a beautiful Monday morning bar mitzvah celebration. Naftali did great. I think that anybody who knows him Assume that he would. <laughs> He's really amazing. And we're big fans of his, as we are, Hani and Mayer. So to the entire family, David Leora, everybody, Mazalto from all of us here at JMNAM was great celebrating yesterday. More coming up. You're listening to a Tuesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Oh. Matsatishte milligin, 
שיהודים אומרים בכל מקום על מה שכבר היה, מה שעוד לא קרה לא משנה כי זה תמיד יהיה נכון מודים אנחנו לא בכל יום ומהללים with Yaakov Shweki. Well, as I mentioned about 12 times already today, uh, <laughs> the, the month of July is dominated by the three weeks. The three weeks, of course, begin this coming Sunday. And the month of July is dominated by the three weeks. Nonetheless, we still have an amazing July <laughs> with our Nefesh Benefesh trip and with the uh, broadcast with Yom NCSY and NCSY summer programs. Um, we have an incredible July coming up. And that period of time, that short condensed period of time at the end of July is going to end for us with an incredible Monday morning special broadcast that we are going to be recording Sunday, the final Sunday in July with our friends up at Camp Hask. And I already mentioned that anybody wants to include a shout out to somebody at Hask, staff member, uh, camp or anybody for that specific show that we're going to record on Sunday at Hask, present live and then uh, present it as a JMA Monday morning broadcast. Um, anybody wants to, uh, include somebody, staff member or camper in a shout out, just simply send us an email, Nahum at NahumSingle.com, uh, with the subject line Hask. Simple as that. H A S C. So with us live via telephone, I am assuming that they are both in Parksville, New York. I am assuming they are both at Camp Hask at the moment. The executive director of 
Camp Hask is Rabbi Judah Michelle, and the program director and boys head counselor up at Camp Hask is Rabbi Avi Pollock. Gentlemen, welcome to JM and the AM. Can I assume that you are up in camp at the moment? We are right in the middle of camp looking at staff members, maintenance staff operations, walking around, setting up, making final preparations for an amazing summer. You know, as you guys uh, toil all year round, to set things up for the summer, it must be both an, a, a, a feeling of relief and a feeling of exhilaration when things actually kick off. How have the uh, first couple of days gone up there? Uh, we had an unbelievable staff orientation. Camp felt full with our staff. We had about uh, 600 staff members ranging from childcare, waitresses, counselors, teachers, therapists, nurses, doctors, all here in camp together, uh, preparing, learning together, uh, unbelievable ruach, a feeling of achtus, and just everyone ready to finally, finally get going with our incredible summer. So, yeah, it was great. I should assume the campers are not up there yet, or they are? Uh, The campers come up tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, our buses pull out. Wow, wow. Today must be a day of great anticipation. It's Arab Pesach here. (laughs) This is amazing. Around what time tomorrow do you think those buses will start pulling in? Uh, officially around 12. Really, they'll get here closer to 1. And um, our parents, some of our parents drop their campers off in person here right. to spend a little bit extra time with the counselors. That, that extra face time and a little bit of extra preparation can make all the difference for the summer. It's not just campers getting off the bus. But it's our counselors interfacing with the parents, uh, reviewing some plans, going over things. And by 3 o'clock, we are ready to go, and camp is in full swing. Yeah, and by 3 o'clock, for most of the camp, it's going to feel like you never left, right? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful sight. Tomorrow is an unbelievably powerful and emotional day. Seeing the campers get on the buses, their families wishing them well, um, the parents taking that deep breath and exhaling after 10 months uh, and really being able to start their summer with a, with a break and confident knowing that uh, their kids and loved ones are being taken care of, it, it's an awesome, awesome sight. And then when the campers roll in here, um, they're greeted by 100 staff members in costume with music. Um, they come off the bus. Some of the campers who have been here for years, this is their home away from home. They look forward to this all year. So there's the emotional reunions, the friendships, the relationships. It's, it's electric. It's absolutely beautiful. It's like one big party 30 hours from now. <laughs> the, the truth is maybe we should say online, if anybody wants to send in names of people who need a refuah or a Yeshua or looking for Shaduchim, they could send names here, and uh, we could have somebody daven over those names as the buses pull into camp. It's that most it's that it's that beautiful of an ace rut zone. It's absolutely amazing. Wow, that's some, some that, that, that is some way to describe it. Rabbi Judah Michelle, Rabbi Avi Pollock, they're with us. They're in Parksville. Guess what, everybody? Tomorrow morning, the buses leave the New York area and head straight to Camp Hask for day number one of this season. Is there an average amount of time that parents get a respite? Are most campers up there for two, three, four weeks? Are most there for the whole summer? What would you say would be an average stay and what would be the average break that the parents are getting during the summer of 2018? The overwhelming majority come for the entire summer. Generally, we're a seven-week program. We have an academics program that runs for six weeks out of the seven weeks, and we have a few days before and a few days after. 
So most of our campers are here for the entire summer. We do have some campers who come for a week or two in shifts. Right. Uh, some campers who live in uh, various types of residences and group homes, and they get a respite also. They get a little vacation. They come up for a week or two. It's unbelievable. The majority of parents, that means, are getting this six, seven-week break. And, you know, we talk about parents who during the year get a Shabbos off, a couple of days someone might be there to help, etc. I mean, this chunk of time of six, seven weeks must be an absolute godsend for them. Uh, I agree. I think it is. Parent after parent tell us just how they can focus on their own relationships, their, their families, and really enrich their family experience because they have this respite. And because their uh, children, siblings, loved ones, family members are here, knowing that they're having the time of their lives here makes all the difference to them. Now, both, both of you have, I wouldn't say gone out of your way. I think it's in the course of your regular day you would say this, uh, to always acknowledge the incredible people in our community who are taking care of special needs children and clients. Uh, however, it should be noted that you and your staff have some very, very, and you might even tell me the majority of these situations, very, very serious situations. A lot of medical help needed with counselors who really need to be briefed and trained to handle different situations. In some cases, you might ask certain real veteran counselors, uh, you know, to take on certain uh, campers, certain clients in their bunks. I think we should note that, that there are a lot of uh, organizations and a lot of people out there doing great work, and you have a, a very large and important niche that has to be acknowledged. Yeah, thank you. We, have, uh, we actually had a, a, a guest over the weekend for our orientation, um, a, a mother of one of our campers, Mrs. Katzen, uh, came to talk about her son and how impactful the summer is. It's, it's always the one of the closing sessions of our orientation, a heart-to-heart heart, heart heart session, uh, meeting with a parent. Uh, and she just described um, how meaningful it is for their family. Um, their son is getting married this summer in Israel, and she said it wouldn't, it wouldn't be possible, uh, not, forget planning the wedding, to actually go to the wedding yep. uh, as an extended family um, without the respite that she's getting. Um, and uh, she actually mentioned that her, her, her son is getting married, actually, to, uh, to, to, to a fellow counselor that, she, that he met here in camp. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was really, really extraordinary, very, very beautiful. This so, summer we're actually going to be inviting everybody to, uh, to take a break with Camp Ask uh, and take a break for Camp Ask. Um, and uh, that's going to be a, a special program that we're launching on our, on our experience day. Uh, later in the summer that we're going to be sharing together. Very cool. Everybody out there, um, Rabbi Michelle, Rabbi Pollock, and the entire staff of Camp Ask, invite not just me and my staff, but everybody out there to come and experience Camp Ask uh, on what's being designated as a Camp Ask Experience Day, the 29th of um, of July, the final Sunday in, um, in July. And on that day... Uh, you'll have an opportunity to see what Camp Haskell is all about and uh, and to really get a feel for why so many people call it heaven on earth. Gentlemen, could you give us a little bit of an overview uh, why it would be a great idea for guests to come and take advantage of Hask Experience Day? Uh, it, it is a beautiful day to see what we do in action, to really experience the magic firsthand. Uh, to see the councils and campers, it's, it's a camp day. Uh, it's a day where you're going to see the top-notch care and love that our staff is providing for the campers and the rest of for the families. Uh, and it's a family fun day. There are rides and a petting zoo, um, an awesome concert out on the front lawn. Uh, this year we have an amazing lineup that uh, I know you're going to be. Uh, that's going to be part of your broadcast. Simcha Liner will be with us. Woo! 
Shapiro, Miles Cohn, uh, with a full band. It's going to be really uh, an awesome day. It's a lot of fun. It's a great lunch. And it's an opportunity to really uh, get a glimpse behind the curtain to see how the magic happens here in camp and to become partners with us. Now, now we should note this is totally separate from quote-unquote visiting day, right? Yeah, we actually, I would almost call it a second visiting day. We have a camper visiting day, and that's when the families of our campers come to camp, spend time with their loved ones. Counselors are there, teachers and therapists, all to, it's like a parent-teacher conference in a certain kind of sense also. Right. Uh, to check in about how the summer's going. This is a couple of weeks after that. Uh, all of our staff is on. Our campus are taken care of beautifully. And the community is a part of Camp Hasker that day. Uh, you have one or two visiting days during the summer? We have one camper visiting day, and this is a community day, and that's experience day. But there's right. only one camper visiting yeah, day. Yeah, I was curious about that. Well, there you go, everybody. Uh, both uh, Rabbi Judah Michelle and Rabbi Avi Pollock, who are in Parksville, and are busy preparing their staff for tomorrow, because tomorrow is day one. Uh, are getting ready for an incredible summer. And one of the things we're going to be focusing on for the next month is making sure everybody knows about the Camp Hask Experience Day. Um, if, you want to, if you've always dreamt of being a friend of Hask and a supporter of Hask, a sponsor of Hask, here's a golden opportunity to find out why or to convince those who you'd like to see uh, join that roster uh, why they should be part of it. Uh, it's called the uh, July 29th Hask Experience Day to see up close and personable or personal, I should say, uh, the campus, which is remarkable, uh, the campers, who are remarkable, and, of course, the staff and counselors, who are remarkable, plus, of course, you know, all the other staff as well. So circle the day, 29th of July. We'll be there. We'll be reminding you between now and then, of course. There'll be a lot of great Jewish music, a tremendous number of fun activities, and, of course, most importantly, an opportunity to meet campers, staff, and see the beautiful campus up at Camp Hask. You know, I keep focusing on tomorrow. I assume both of you are, you know, are really excited about day one. But for a moment, tell us about Shabbos 1. Uh, this coming Friday night in, in Camp Hask is going to be something extra special that you haven't seen in, in a few months, huh? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 when everybody walks into shul or is rolled into shul, um, or carried into shul in their big day Shabbos, uh, there's an amazing menucha sanefesh that, that, that comes down and an incredible explosion of simcha. It's like, it's like Simchas Torah and Purim and Lagba Omer all together, the singing, the dancing. If, if Shabbos was any indication, our orientation Shabbos, we had 600 staff up here for Shabbos prepping, getting ready, uh, getting focused, getting pumped, um, then this coming Friday night is going to be absolutely awesome. Just the, the, the Lichadodi, the Rikudim, the dancing, uh, the singing, it, it's so powerful. Uh, we look forward to it all year. It's going to be really extraordinary. We actually, Rabbi Mark Penner will be with us for Shabbos, the Dean of Reitz, uh, and a longtime Camp Ask staff member. Uh, he was a counselor. He was a Rav here. Uh, he and his wife worked here together. Uh, his, sons, his, his sons were counselors here. He has a son who's a camper here. The Penners are so vested and, and so much a part of, uh, of our camp community. So Rabbi Penner will be with us for Shabbos, speaking at the Oneg. Um, it's going to be a really, really extraordinary Shabbos. Well, he's one of our favorite people, so yeah, I can imagine it's going to be extraordinary with him and all your special guests. Well, what can I say? Uh, Rabbi Michelle, Rabbi Pollock, I guess you'll sleep at the end of August, right? (laughs) (laughs) Not before then. It basically happens, right? It basically happens not before then. Uh, This Uh, operation is 24-7. It is, and that's no exaggeration. If there were more hours in the day, we we would tell you it's more than that, but it really is a 24-7 operation to make sure that campers and families have what they need 
for the entire summer. It's over 40 years, and it's just incredible how it just keeps on going. Simply remarkable. Uh, Rabbi Judah Michelle, he's executive director of Cav Hask, and Rabbi Avi Pollock is program director and boys head counselor. Good luck to everybody. Wish everybody Hatzlacha Rabbah. We'll be thinking of you tomorrow morning as those buses leave the New York area and head straight up to Parksville, New York. Thank you, Nachum. That makes all the difference. Appreciate that very much. 29th of July. Circle the calendar now. For those of you who are afraid of Catskills traffic, go early. Do what I do. Go early in the morning. 29th of July. Hask Experience Day. You'll be treated to one of the most amazing sights, one of the most incredible places on planet Earth. Really as simple as that. I believe it was A.B. Rottenberg who sang a song called Small Piece of Heaven. Here it is at JM and the M. Some people wonder Others may say Whenever adversity passes their way Let me run, let me hide Oh, I must close my eyes By the time that they're open It just might fade away But not you, dear friends You know just what to do when faced with a challenge, you always come through And you've painted a smile on the face of a child Helping to make sure that his dreams come true There's a small piece of heaven in everyone's heart A glorious gift from above It will sparkle and shine if we each do our part To reach out and touch it with love There's a small piece of heaven In everyone's heart A glorious gift from above It will sparkle and shine If we each do our part To reach out and touch it with love of bright sunshine and fresh country air but although that's a fact you've done much more than that you've shown these dear children just how much you care in a small piece of heaven everyone's heart glorious gift from above it will sparkle and shine if we each do our Touch it with love.
again We're united and strong But the hour is late, time is moving along So till next year, dear friends When we meet here again Let's raise up our voices And sing out this song There's a small piece of heaven Everyone's heart Glory's gift from above It will sparkle and shine If we each do our part To reach out and touch it with love If we each do our part To reach out and touch it with love Oh, there's a small piece of heaven In everyone's heart A glorious gift from above It will sparkle and shine If we each do our part To reach out and touch it with love If we each do our part To reach out and touch it with love Oh, there's a small piece of heaven Everyone's heart Glorious gift from above It will sparkle and shine If we each do our part To reach out and touch it Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NahumSingle.com, on the NahumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Amazing and incredible way to end the show today, I must say. Thank you to our friends from Camp Pass. Good luck tomorrow. It's day one. It's going to be amazing, that's for sure. See you the 29th of July. Cannot wait. Um... Coming up next, JM Rewind, our visit with Yehuda Green. Live lunch with Avrami starts at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in all day long here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Give generously, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Final week of our spring fundraiser. Please give generously and support us, fjbunity.org. And don't forget this coming Thursday, 7.50 Eastern Time. This coming Thursday, 7.50 Eastern Time. That'll be when Rabbi Yisrael Besser joins us in studio. His book is entitled Rabbi Mayer Zlotowitz. We explore it. He's the co-founder of Art Scroll. We explore the book Thursday here at JM in the AM. Have a fabulous Tuesday. Till tomorrow, I'll come to go reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.